The audio guide to the galaxy is recorded in the SciTech Planetarium on Wajak Noongar land. Good evening everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Audio Guide to the Galaxy, the monthly podcast where we take you through a tour of the night sky as seen from Perth. In this episode, we'll be covering all the exciting space news happening during May. We're here in the SciTech Planetarium on Noongar Buja, and I'm joined by Damon, a professional presenter here in the Planetarium at SciTech. Damon, thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you very much, Leon. It is wonderful to be back, and we have a few exciting things to discuss today, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. I do remember when you were here just a couple of months ago. I suppose we'll start with the greatest thing you can do at nighttime when you're outside, which is, of course, looking up at the sky. And... Uh, well, we'll start nice and simple. What planets can I expect to see? If I'm outside this month, what can I see? Well, as I'm uh, very happy to tell people at the moment in the planetarium, your main two planets that you will see are Venus and Mars, and they're pretty much off to the northwest. After sundown, once it gets dark enough, you should be able to see both quite all right. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Mars is actually going to be disappearing quite soon, which for me is very, very sad because we all know that beyond Earth, Mars, best uh, planet. Yep. You're a big fan of Mars. Mars is disappearing soon. What do you mean? It just, it will be disappearing below the horizon very soon. We won't be able to see it in our wonderful night sky anymore. Oh, okay, just because of the movement of the planet. The movement of the planets. The planets go around the sun. The further away from the sun you get, the longer it actually takes a planet to go around. And so that that means the planets are all at constantly different distances from each other. There are times of year where we can see some planets and not others. And unfortunately for us, Mars is on its way out of our sky. Right, so I have to go out after sunset to catch Mars. Exactly right. Very soon. Venus, you've got a little bit more time, probably about two months. Um, but nobody cares about Venus, so... <laughs> I think Venus is nice. No, 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 it's all right. I'm sorry, Venus, if you're listening, you're a great planet. Don't don't let that keep you up at night. Yeah. So of these two, uh, Mars is obviously known for its red colour. Is Venus particularly noticeable? Uh, Venus is known for being quite bright. Oh, okay. Yes, the uh, wonderful thing about Venus is if you look at it, you can't actually see the surface. It's covered in a very thick atmosphere, but it's very good at reflecting light to us. So, And it's also often quite close, depending on time of year and where the planets are. I'm pretty sure I have seen this in the, the sky, even like just as the sun has, it's still like bright, it's not completely pitch black, but the sun's gone. Yes. That bright thing I can see in the west, is that Venus? Yes, at the moment it is, but you also need to be aware that sometimes if you look up in the sky and you see a really bright object, it's not Venus and it's not necessarily even a planet. It is a common mistake that people make, but yes, at the moment, look in the right direction and you will see Venus. So you mentioned Venus and Mars are visible in the West. What about the other the, the other planets? Are they just not visible this time of year? Like, where's Jupiter? Where's Mercury? Uh, Jupiter and Mercury, they will be coming up in the East around 5.30 in the morning. So if you look off in that direction, you will hopefully start to see them if you're up for getting up early. Oh, okay. So if you're keen on early evenings, then Venus and Mars. And if you're keen on early mornings, it's Jupiter and Mercury. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, if you are keen on early mornings, I tip my hat to you. Yes, Okay, so th- th- that's the planets we can see this month. What about any, any interesting stars, any interesting constellations? Look, uh, everyone's favourite constellation, and by favourite I mean most well-known generally, it's not necessarily your favourite, and that is Orion, the hunter from Greek mythology. And, well, you see, Orion, bit of a mythical figure, and quite a long time ago he is said to have made just a little bit of a mistake. Mm-hmm. You see, the thing is, Orion, known for being a great hunter, but also apparently very arrogant, and he once made a boast that he would hunt and kill all the animals on the planet. Well, this actually angered the goddess Gaia. Not very impressed by Orion's boastfulness, and she actually decided, all right, 
In that case, I am going to send a massive scorpion to hunt and to kill Orion. And so now we have Scorpius coming up above the horizon this time of year. So Orion, he's making his dash away to try to get away from the scorpion coming after him. Right. See, I've been watching Orion move lower and lower in the west for like the past couple of months, just after sunset. Yep. So where does that mean the scorpion is then? That means the scorpion is going to be coming up in the east. Oh, on the opposite side of the sky. Yes, exactly right. So Orion just getting out of dodge just at the right time. <laughs> okay. Oh, and so I see as Orion sets on one side, the scorpion rises in the other. Yes, he's, he's trembling in his boots, the scorpion's starting to appear, and there he goes. Right, and how do I identify the scorpion? What, what is, what, is there a nice easy way of spotting it? Well, so Scorpius is really very much in the shape of a hook. So if you've seen your scorpions in nature, you know they have this little hook on the end of their tail. Mm -hmm. So you want to start seeing a formation of stars in the east and see if you can line up something that's almost a little bit like a fish hook. Oh, okay. So, and it's quite distinctive, you say? Yes, quite a distinct pattern. Uh, it's also one that exists in various cultures around the world representing different objects. Oh, okay. Um, specifically in our part of the world, over in New Zealand, uh, in Maori mythology, it's actually the hook used by the mariner Maui to haul a massive fish out of the ocean. And then this massive fish is said to have ultimately become the North Island of New Zealand. Wow, there you go. So the same pattern of stars. Is yes, same pattern of stars interpreted very differently in different parts of the world. Is this the pattern they show in, uh, is it Moana? Moana. Yeah, that one. Yes, you're into your Disney films. I am. I'm not. <laughs> I can't tell you any more than yes, it appears in that one. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there you go. So I've seen Moana. I'm sure many people have seen Moana. But yeah, so that pattern of stars, if you don't know what you're looking for, just go and find it in Moana and then look for it in the sky. And that is A, the fish hook of Maui and also the scorpion that's chasing Orion. Absolutely. Wow, there you it go. It can be many things all at the same time. All right. Well, I know what I'll be looking at this evening. Uh, now, I did hear that earlier this month there was uh, a, a lunar eclipse. Uh, apparently it was quite late at night and it wasn't like a fully dark one or anything like that. So I personally didn't stay up to watch it. But um, I guess even though it's already passed, what is a lunar eclipse? Lunar eclipse, if you imagine when you go outside on a sunny day, you stick your hand out and you can see the shadow that you cast on the ground. Yeah. Well, this is happening at a massive level as far as the Earth is concerned. All the time, the Earth is obviously in front of the sun mm -hmm. and it's casting a shadow out behind it. And so a lunar eclipse is actually when the moon starts to move into the Earth's shadow. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yes. So for a brief period of time, as it does that, it goes into darkness. Oh, and that happened earlier this month? It, it? did indeed. It's something you can actually observe once again if you want to stay up late. Right. Um, and... I suppose the big news, of course, was the total solar eclipse that we had in Exmouth last month. Yes, absolutely. Are they, was that a coincidence? Are these related? No, it's not a coincidence. You end up with eclipse seasons. It's all to do with the position of the Earth and the Moon in relation to the way they orbit around the Sun. Mm -hmm. So the Moon every so often crosses what we call the ecliptic, which is the plane of Earth's orbit around the Sun. Gotcha. And this happens roughly every six months, two times a year effectively. And we've just gone through one of those periods, and that's the perfect time for the moon to move in front of the sun during the daytime and into the Earth's shadow during the nighttime. Oh, I see. So as the as the moon goes on its well, roughly one month orbit. Yes. Um, so you're saying that a couple of weeks ago it passed in front of the sun to give us the solar eclipse. Yep. And then two weeks later it's gone around and it's yep. passing the ecliptic. It's directly behind the Earth then. Right. Oh, and and that's why we. So that's called an eclipse season, is it? 
Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so if you imagine a string of three celestial bodies, three giant spheres suspended in space. So when the solar eclipse happens, you have three in a line and the moon is between the Earth and the sun. Mm-hmm. And then when your lunar eclipse happens, you have three in a line, but it's the Earth that's in the middle. Oh, I see what you mean. All right, so uh, planets, constellations, lunar eclipses already happened, but I think I've learned a little bit about the, 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 why they come in pairs or groups, um, seasons. Uh, any other space news? What's big in the world of space? What's big in the world of space, Leo? Nothing's bigger in the world of space than the biggest rocket ever launched in human history. I've been looking forward to the this. The most powerful rocket ever launched in human history. Mm-hmm. So just a reminder, last time you were on, Damon, we spoke about Starship. We did indeed. And uh, the SpaceX Starship. And the the exciting time was it was about to launch. It was about to launch. And unfortunately, it wasn't actually about to launch in reality. Uh, Things have taken just a little bit longer to get underway than we expected at first. But in the intervening period, it has, in fact, gone on a wonderful test flight. Very, very spectacular. Uh, Much debate as to how successful it was. Mm -hmm. I tend to fall into the success column. Uh, with a few caveats. Why are there even caveats when you say, what do you mean success, Colin? What happened? Well, so for those of you listening, Starship really sets a record as far as how many engines it has on its first stage. So to set the picture, you imagine this massive, massive rocket. It's about 120 meters tall. It's separated into two stages. The first stage, the one that sits on the bottom, 70 meters tall. The one on top of that, 50 meters tall. That first stage has 33 engines aboard it. Mm -hmm. These engines, they all have to light and they all have to join together to help lift the rocket off the pad. And pad is a key word there because it will play a very important part in this story. Mm -hmm. Before we go further, how does the story end? How does the story end? You want me to give it away before we... uh, Leon... What happened to Starship? I want to know. So they, they did a test flight, it got off the ground... So the rocket got off the pad, it went up into the atmosphere, quite high up, and then it was meant to separate and stage, but unfortunately didn't get high enough, and then it started to fall and tumble, and a transmission was sent to tell it to destroy itself, and then about 40 seconds later, it finally did. So ultimately, the test flight ended with the vehicle triggering its method of self-destruction. Destruction. Ah, so it blew up. It didn't get, didn't get to space. No, it did not get to space. It started plummeting out of the sky. And of course, with something like that, you have this massive rocket full of fuel. If that impacts the ground, it can cause a massive explosion. It's better to get that out of the way high up in the atmosphere, which is exactly what they did. Right. And so I suppose the obvious question, if was anyone hurt? Was like Were people on that rocket? No, absolutely no one was on that rocket. So very important, this was a test flight. The key word there is test. This system had never launched together all at once before. So often anything science and engineering related, you can try to think through as many of the possibilities as you can, and there will still be new things once you actually come to doing it for real. And that's why we have a test flight. It's why we have no one on board. It's why we have no one in a massive exclusion zone, Mm -hmm. because chances are something is going to go wrong that we didn't imagine. So let's get all of those out of the way first. And then once we've done it a number of times in a successful, safe fashion, then we can start looking at changing that. Right. So obviously in this case, some things have gone wrong. Yes. Uh, The rocket has failed to separate, as you said, uh, and they've had to terminate it. Uh, uh, When when do you think they'll be launching another one? Look. I say that so casually, just just throw another starship out there. This is a very controversial question. Uh, We don't know what the limiting factor is going to be at the moment. To make a long story short, a lot of damage occurred on the launch pad. Mm -hmm. That has to be repaired. 
There are some environmental questions to do with debris that got sent around the place, so there may be a hold on future flights until those questions are answered. And we also don't know what the next prototype vehicle is going to include and not include. And as those decisions are made, it could affect the time frame to launch another mission. Fair enough. And so this, just a reminder, is, is bigger than the, the Saturn V that took people to the moon. It's bigger than the Saturn V and it's more powerful than the Saturn V. Right. And it's designed to go to Mars, I remember you saying. It is ultimately designed to go to Mars. A slightly different version is expected to play a part in returning humans to the moon in just a couple of years' time. Mm -hmm. But that remains to be seen. Wow, there we go. So looking forward to Starship's second test flight, whenever that may be. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting thing to watch. I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, notes to compare when that happens. Well, thank you so much for being here for the Audio Guide to the Galaxy, Damon. I've learned a lot, and uh, maybe we'll see you in a few more months. Thank you very much, Leon. That's it for this episode of SciTech's Audio Guide to the Galaxy. We'll see you again next month, where we'll be talking about the night sky of June. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. If you'd like to know more about what we've been talking about today, you can find more by going to the SciTech website, and there you'll find a link for a page called The Sky Tonight, which is a monthly blog written by us here at SciTech about all the wonderful things you can see in the night sky. <laughs>